and welcome to Talking Business with me, Danny Pardo. In these interviews, we'll be exploring employability insights, career advice, educational experiences, life stories and more from a wide variety of people in a wide variety of industries with the ultimate aim of helping you to make decisions about your studies and your career. If you like what you hear, please do rate, review, share and subscribe to this podcast. It's all very much appreciated. So here we go. Let's talk business. Hello everyone and welcome to Talking Business with me, Danny Pardo. On this episode, I'm chatting with Terrell Lloyd, the lead photographer for my favourite American football team, the San Francisco 49ers. So this is quite exciting for me to be able to talk 49er football with an employee of the organisation, but also get stuck into Terrell's craft and passion for it as well. So without further ado, let's talk business with Terrell. Hello everyone and welcome to Talking Business. You can see we've got a 49ers themed episode here today and we're talking photography and business with Mr. Terrell Lloyd. Hello Terrell, how are you doing today? Hello Danny, how are you doing? Thanks for having me uh, here. I'm excited to speak to you, share some of my um, my experiences and my history with the team and and really how I got to where, I, where I'm at today. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing your career journey. I've heard snippets and bits and pieces from other YouTube videos, but it's going to be fun to break that down uh, as we go through today. So for yeah. people who don't know, who is Terrell? You know, uh, um, you know, big it, question. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, because, you know, my background, I mean, I took photography in school, you know, when I was a, when I was a teenager and stuff like that. And then, you know, my mother always had cameras when I was younger. Right. And so it, it's so ironic because my story really ties into really how I got to where I'm at today. And I always say I've come full circle because, you know, growing up as a kid in San Francisco, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little older, but I look younger. Right. But I go back to going to games when I was a little kid at Keysar Stadium where the 49ers played back then. Wow. And back in the day, I used to have a paper route and I used to throw papers. So you know, but I always had a love for football, always. And I would, you know, and so on Mondays, I would cut out pictures from the newspapers, right, from the Sunday's game, and I would make my own 49er books, right? So how ironic is that from, you know, 12, 13 years old, and then now I run all the photography for the 49ers uh, today. And so that's (laughs) That's why I say I'm circle. Yeah, I mean, so you're, you're talking Kazar Stadium, man. so you're talking late 60s, early 70s at that point then? Uh, yes, yeah, correct. Right, and correct. now we're 2021, and you are in charge of all the photography for 49ers from, uh, and uh, it's a bit more than just cutting out pictures and making your own books, man. Right. right, correctly. So it, it's like the way, you know, and, and way photography has evolved from when I first started and got on the field, and like I was a season ticket holder in 81, 1981. I started taking pictures from the stands, right? I'm working my corporate job, uh, started a little photography business, doing weddings and corporate events. And then, you know, one of the former players actually got me a credential to be on the field, right? In 1994. And so my section of the stands was like 10 rows from the field. And we were like a tight knit group because I was going to games since 1980s, right? When they won, you know, started winning all those Super Bowls. And so in 94, it's like, I got on the field for a Tampa Bay game, right? And I got down there and I was taking some pictures and I was like, wow, this is like, you get a shot in the arm. It's like, you got a love for football, right? Now you're down there, you know, taking photos. And I just said to myself, man, God, it'd be great to get back down here to shoot or later on get with the 49ers. I mean, that was just a pipe dream. I mean, I mean, I wasn't, you know, I hadn't shot sports since high school, you know, and I'm just doing weddings and corporate events, stuff like that. So 
funny story. The PR director, I thanked him at the end of the game. And he told me, he says, well, you know, give me a call next time I can see what I could do. And I didn't ask him. He offered that. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Well, the next week I would call him. Well, he would say the same thing every week and I would call him every week. Right. And so I didn't want to be annoying, but they had just won the division, made the playoffs, right. Getting ready to make their run on their fifth Super Bowl. And I called him up like I knew him. I said, hello, this is Terrell. He says, sorry, doesn't have anything. And he hung up the phone on me. And I was like, ooh, now, okay, maybe I was a little bit too aggressive all year, right? So then I thought about it. I said, well, what is my best way to get on the field? I got a regular job. I'm not going to get a job with the newspapers, right? I got on with a monthly magazine that would publish, you know, uh, I told the the editor, I said, hey, I want to get on the field. I want to be able to get credentials. And then that's how I got my start. That's how I got on the field in 95 to start covering the games. And the Raiders moved back to Oakland and I was covering a game every Sunday. Yeah. Wow. And that's how I got my start. And, and there was a guy that was doing the uh, entertainment stuff like uh, halftime shows, check presentations, some of the cheerleaders photos. And I had been shooting for like maybe less than a year and something. Right. And he came up to me and says, Terrell, Hey, how would you like to do, uh, you know, what I'm doing? All right. His name was, his name was Doug. He says, well, my knees are getting kind of bad. I'm getting kind of old, you know, uh, come down to my office and I'll talk to you, right? So he told me all he did. But then I asked him one question. I said, Doug, why me? I've only been out here a year and something shooting. And he says, you know what, Terrell, you come in here, you say hello to everybody, you're pleasant, you come with a smile, you know, I figured you'd be good for the job. And this man did not see one picture that I had taken prior to that. He saw my personality more so. And I, and I kind of stress that when I do my speaking and stuff like that. I mean, we all take pictures, but you want to be able to be able to work with the photographer. You want to be friendly. You got to be engaging. You got to be, you know, pleasant, you know, when you're doing certain things, you got to know when to come in, when not to. I mean, there's a lot of variables than other than just clicking the shutter per se. Yeah. And that's how yeah. I got my start in the early times. That's absolutely fascinating. I mean, you, you see some photographers on television in, in reality shows and things like mm-hmm. that, and, and they can be harsh and they can be critical and, and you think really overbearing, but that's a TV reality show. You know, they've uh, got to get viewers in. There, there has right. to be something to get people watching. But in the real world of photography, <laughs> you've got to be the kind of person that people actually want to be photographed by you. They, they actually right. think, yeah, I actually want to hang out with Terrell. I, I, right. want, to, I want him to take my picture. Um, because then you've got to, you, I mean, you've still got to get the results, haven't you? You know, you've still right. got to portray the image of that player, that team, that brand. Um, right. And, all and your my personality helps that. All through my photography, too, and other, and even outside the sports, it was like, you know, when I was doing corporate photography and I was, you know, had my job and I'm out here doing, you know, high end corporate events and I'm with, you know, presidents of companies, CEOs, directors. And, and you know, it, it's like you have to know how to handle yourself and what you're doing. I mean, there was one story, I was at a corporate event doing some pictures of some lawyers, right? And his assistant said, well, you know, Terrell, he doesn't really like taking pictures, so we gotta be quick and so on and so forth, right? So I said, and don't worry, I got this, I'm, I'm good, right? And so, you know, you come up, you're professional, right? You come up, I got I got this thing on my camera and so on and so forth, so it was intriguing. And he was like, hey, what's that on your camera? So it struck up a conversation and we started talking and I relaxed them and then we spent more time taking photos and she came up to me later on, she says, Terrell, he has never done that before. You know, I really appreciate how, you know, you handled it and so on and so forth, the way you talk to him. And, and it's like, I really appreciate how you work. And that's my trait and what I do. 
Yeah. And do you feel like you, sometimes you've changed your personality to suit different clients? Uh, uh, or are you just Terrell or are there just like little tweaks where you know, well, I've got to act different at a wedding than if I'm at a game, than if I'm at a corporate event, than mm-hmm. uh, if I'm at just a rock a concert bit. or something? Just a little bit, not too much. I mean, you know, it, it's like you, you want to be you want to be true to yourself. You know, you know, it's like to me, I, I tell I tell people like you got to be consistent. Right. It, it's like if I'm a good person and I'm a pleasant person, and I'm a calming person, I'm like, I'm always going to be the same way. Now, there's certain times that, you know, you got to hold your like, say, emotions when things don't go your way or you're not really getting what you want. Um, you know, sometimes you got to catch yourself a little bit. You know, I mean, I've I've, you know, not to say I'm perfect. I, you know, I've, I've lost it a little bit, not in a crazy way. Right. But, you know, one time I said something one time and it, like I didn't know the person was listening, but it wasn't crazy bad. But it was like it was like, oh, and then they did hear me. And I'm like, OK, I got to you know, you got to really you got to think about what you're going to do before you say it, how you do it and how you react. So it's like, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there was one of the questions from uh, the students because mm-hmm. the students sent in some great questions. Have you always wanted to be a sports photographer? And I think you've answered that, uh, <laughs> you know, quite well. Um, but I mean, what, was that did you actually think? that one day, was that the end goal that I am going to be a sports photographer? Or was it just, I really like taking photos, I can make a living doing it. And if I end up on the field, great stuff. Well, well, well it's interesting because it's like, it's like I had a certain career path, right? I love photography, I took it in school and I used to be, you know, you could always find me in the dark room back in the film days, right? At school. And I was on the yearbook committee and I was doing sports and then, you know, but my first career, um, have you ever seen uh, like bowling on TV? Yes. 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 So I was um, I was actually one of the top youth bowlers growing up in San Francisco as a teenager as well. And so my aspiration was to become a professional bowler. Right. So I was pursuing that career. And then unfortunately, I got sick at uh, 19, 20 years old and recovered from that. But I was still able to go out on the pro bowlers tour. So I I was a professional bowler on my first career. Right. And but, you know, after my surgery and things like that, after three years on tour, it was just tough. Right. Yeah, I was good but the guys were better, right? And after after that stint, it was kind of like hard. You know, I got rings for perfect games and stuff like that, right? So then while I was going to school during that time, before during that time, I was taking computer science classes because I always had a uh, passion about computers in the early days, right? And so when I came off a tour, um, one of the company, one of a friend of mine was working at a, a company in Silicon Valley and said, hey, we're hiring in our computer department. I said, well, you know, when I was in school, I was taking computer science classes and so on and so forth, right? And so I went down for the interview and I'm maybe 23 years old, 24 years old and ended up getting the job. And I worked for that company for 20 years in wow. their in their IT department, right? And I did, you know, I worked in IT, I did networking, I did project management, I did a few things within that 20 year span. But while I worked in the company, I was still bowling part-time. But while I was working in the company, somebody was getting married and I picked up my camera again. And then that's when the love came back, right? Mm-hmm. And so I joined this photography group and they were serious photographers and doing weddings and portraits and, and anything that I said I was going to do, I was going to be good at, right? And so I joined the group. I, I mentored under the uh, gentleman in weddings photography, right? And, and then that's when I was able to get on the field later on. And then that's when I said, and I started a small business, right? And so then that's when the photography came back and I'm like, hmm, after about 18 years of working, maybe I could do this full time, right? And then that's where the path started going after that. And then wow. it was like, then it was, then it was the thing of how do I get with the 49ers? Because now 
Now I got with the 49ers directly in 1996, right? So I've been here 25 years, right? And now I'm working my way, right? And, and so then as time went on, as you know, film transitions into digital and then the digital revolution, that's what really got me in the door. And so then it was like, how do I become full-time, right? Because a lot of teams didn't hire full-time photographers. And then as things started changing, you know, and we, our ownership decided to do a new stadium. I said, that's it, that's it. And I went into the president's office and I sat with him for 30 minutes and said, hey, here's why I should be full-time. He said, oh, Terrell's a no brainer. I love your work. You know, we love what you do. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna build this stadium. It's gonna be high tech and so on and so forth. And then I've been full-time for eight years since then. And I'm wow. 25 years here. What a story. I mean, to think that if you had to combine the uh, the life's worth of a photographer, very rarely, I don't think you'd say, oh, yeah, bowling and computer science and men photography. You know, that, right. that link is, is right. really unique. But it goes to show, doesn't it, career paths and these opportunities, uh, right. a wedding that happened to be in the place where you happen to work and you happen to be free that weekend, um, right. you know, and, that, and that's what can lead to it. And that's just stunning to, to hear that kind of journey that you've been on there. Um, yeah. There's another question as well. And this, uh, this was from a student. Now, I don't know if it was directed at me because I'm always going on about American football or if it's directed right. at you, but I'm going to pass it to you. So why, why football? Why you, what, what's the love with football then compared to, because obviously in the Bay Area, you've got a wide choice of sports that Correct. you can kind of latch on to. Um, but, but why football? Well, I think, I think, you know, back when I told you earlier, like when I was a kid going to games and that's, that's why I think why football, because if I, you know, if I'm cutting, I mean, I, I mean, I played a little baseball before basketball, you know, in, in school and bowling was my thing, but football was the one that I loved. And then when you think about it, if, you know, as a kid and I'm cutting out pictures, not thinking I'm going to be a photographer of just football, you know, games, it's like, it kind of fits. So that's where, you know, I would like, I remember one time, the 49ers back in the day had a playoff game in Keysar. And I'm a little kid walking around the parking lot, you know, trying to, you know, see if I can get a ticket or something like that. And, and you know, didn't have no money for a ticket. I'm, you know, a little kid running around. And a gentleman offered me and another kid two tickets to the game, right? And one of the other kid wanted, he was going to go sell his ticket, right? Me? No, I'm going into the game. So I went into the game. So I think, I think from a, a young child, I think that's what really, drew me into like being where I'm at today, you know, yeah. now, you know, I also do photography at San Jose State University. So I do all their, <clears throat> excuse me, athletic programs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it enables me to go outside of football and do baseball, soccer, basketball, swimming, tennis, uh, um, water polo, gymnastics, right. And so, and really to hone my skills as a sports photographer and not just really a football photographer, right? So I've been yeah. doing photography at San Jose State for almost 15 years now, 15, 16 wow. years. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, in terms of sports <laughs> photography then, because another one of our students said, have you ever thought of photographing British football or, or soccer? Um, <laughs> and obviously you've got the, the San Jose, the earthquakes, isn't it? Um, close to you there. Um, what's the differences then between shooting, say, um, a football game and a soccer game? And are you noticing the like the flow of the game, because obviously, you know, football, uh, American football to English people has got the stopping and the starting. You can readjust, you can move around, whereas soccer right. is constantly flowing. Um, right. is, is there a kind of a different feel to photographing that? Well, it's funny because I, I tried to get the job when I, before I was full time with the Niners, so try to get like the contract job for the uh, San Jose Earthquakes, right? right? And I didn't end up getting it. And it was like weird. It was like, okay, well, it's all good. I'm doing my 49er thing anyway. But but we, we here at, um, at Levi Stadium, we host a lot of, you know, 
international soccer matches here, right? Which was great. And the thing is that the, the thing about soccer and it's so, like you say, constantly moving for 45 minutes or plus and so on and so forth. And you have to have that keen eye. And, and I think it, it's like, I mean, I love all sports, but it's kind of like, it's always like a challenge too. It's like, you know, how am I going to be good at shooting this international soccer and, you know, and, and how fast the game is and the ball is moving left, right, up, down, you know, trying to really, how do you tell that story? And, and one thing that we do in photography is like, how do you tell a story of a game or a match or soccer? And it's, and it's more to it just than, you, you know, just getting guys running up and down the field right in a soccer game or you know kicking the ball or or you know wrestling with a player trying to like you know get the ball the other guys trying to get it go back the other way or you know trying to get that that reaction on their faces right or you know and i say the money shot too sometimes on on say a soccer game is like you know either you get the guy that's kicking to get a goal right score a goal and then the celebration right is it on your side can you get a good shot of it or are you getting a diving catch of the goalie you know blocking you know, blocking a goal coming in or, you know, or is it a shootout? So it's like those things. So your mind kind of has to always keep thinking, right? And then you got to have the right equipment too when you're on a soccer field and it's like, and, you know, cause it goes further way down the field. You got to come back. Maybe you move a little bit, you know, change your angle a little bit. Cause I never like to sit in one spot. Cause if you sit in one spot, all the images are going to look the same. But if you move over to the left or if you can move to the right or somewhere around there, change your perspective a little bit and try to figure out what's the best angle and stuff. But I, I mean, you know, I, I just love, you know, American football, but then again, I love shooting soccer as well. Though. I mean, especially the international soccer, cause there's so, it, it's just so intense too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, it's a different game in so many aspects. I mean, obviously that, that's an obvious statement there, right. but in terms of the, the artistry that you're trying to convey, as a photographer or a videographer, you're obviously going to find different things and different emotions and different passions. You know, with obviously with football, getting the uh, American football, getting the headshots and the reactions isn't always as easy because of the uniform and the padding. Whereas right. in soccer, that's a lot easier and you can really right. kind of bring that emotion through, can't you, in, your, in what you're photographing? And you said about the money shot there in terms of soccer. Yeah. What's the money shot in uh, American football? Uh, if you have to say, right, you, I need to get this shot, this game. What is that bunny shot? Well, you know, it, it, it can vary too. I mean, like, like say, for example, and I'll give you an example. When we were in the 2012 Super Bowl in New Orleans, right? And we were down and we came back, lights went out. And then all of a sudden we made a comeback, right? And there's about less than three minutes left in the game. And now we're at first and seven at the goal line with like less than two minutes, a little over two minutes to go. Right. And now you're thinking, you know, it, it's like you, you're, you're, I got a crew of photographers as well, but I'm on like our bench side. I got a couple of photographers on the opposite side. And your thing is, it's like, okay, now you're at the Super Bowl. You want to get that winning catch or touchdown at the Super Bowl because that's really the defining moment on a big game like that. Right. And so, and so we get down to the five yard line. And then there was three passes. I don't know if you remember that Super Bowl. And it was oh, three yes. passes yeah. to... Uh, I, don't, I don't know why you had to bring it up. I mean, you can blame me for this <laughs> question. Couldn't you have thought of another example? You know I mean? <laughs> Go on, keep going. Go That's on. A good point. Well, you know, it still hurts me to this day. Because, yeah. anyway. So, you know, now my thing is my heart's pounding, right? I'm checking the, the settings on the camera because you want to make sure that, you know, you didn't actually hit the dial and have a wrong setting and it don't get the picture right. And the play comes in front of me three times in a row, right? And 
the last one where Crabtree missed the catch, it was like his fingertips was here and he misses the catch like, like by this much. I still believe they should have thrown a penalty because they held him. But anyway, right? That would have been like the money catch, of course, in the Super Bowl, right? In a normal, say a normal game, right? And I, tell, I told somebody this the other day. It, it's like, it's always not like that diving fingertip catch or, you know, a touchdown in a game. It could be the winning touchdown or it could be that celebration, right? The, the moment that happens after the play. What, what tells that story of the game? Right. And so that could be your money shot. I mean, you can get a player diving in the end zone, running in the end zone for a touchdown. It's just, you know, great play, great catch or a great thing, you know, to take the lead or something like that. But what happens after that? Is it the quarterback, you know, pumping his fist or the coach on the sideline putting his hands up, you know, in the air? That could be the story. Right. Because you see hundreds and thousands of touchdown pictures. You see hundreds of, you know, thousands of catches. But, you know, if somebody's writing an article, on the coach or the quarterback or a defining moment, that could be your money shot right there. So I said for, I, I just tell in my classes, I say, or my presentation, I say, for, for every action, there's a reaction, right? And so that reactions tells those stories. Like um, I did one the other day and I had a picture I showed of uh, one of our linemen recovered a fumble, right? Now you, the fumble happens, you know, you got the, the tussle and everybody's down there. That's not the photo, right? Because you got a poly guys. But the guy gets up with the ball in his hand, right? Let's see, you can see your in his hand, and his expression on his face as he's running to the sideline, that's the story. That's that's wow. that's like you know your money shot because that could have been the 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 fumble that saved the game, things like that. Yeah. Um, I know, yeah. So you know, those are some of the things that I look at too. So it's not always just the the touchdown as well. Yeah, and that's you know, I'm thinking back in my head as you're saying that, and I'm thinking of like iconic 49ers images in my head and, and I can see Montana with his arms in the air. I can yes. see Steve Young hugging a Super Bowl trophy. I can right. see Vernon Davis in tears uh, hooking Harbour on the sideline, you know. And you think, right. oh yeah, that, that's not the moment where it crosses or the scoreboard or, or or even the element of the game. It's it's the emotion of that player that was involved in that moment. And right. um, yeah, that's quite interesting for me to reflect on that yeah. as well and um, go back through some of the archives and have a look because well, it's funny because because the thing is it's like <clears throat> i'm like a, i tell people i'm like a thoroughbred racehorse right i'm like this and i'm scan i'm looking i don't never take i don't never take a playoff right i don't never take a time off because i'm always looking even even if it's during a timeout right or it's a moment where one of our photographers his name is michael Zagaris, he's been with the team 47 years yeah. i mean back to the keys our days and so on and so forth and you know he has this iconic image of Bill Walsh and Joe Montana, right? Kneeling down in the NFC Championship game against Dallas. And, you know, and, you know, Joe is playing in the grass or not playing in the grass, but like writing something yeah. in the grass. And it's just, that was the story of that drive and that moment when the Niners won, went on to win their first Super Bowl, right? So despite whatever happened, you got the catch, of course. <clears throat> you have the catch, of course, right? But there's certain pictures in between that kind of like defines it. Yeah, it's that it's that looking up shot, isn't it? From the, I remember reading about that, and he had to lie down on his on his stomach to to get the shot, and the clouds are all ominous in that black and white image. And right. and at the time, it, it's a photo. It's like, oh, I got a cool photo there. But over right. time, that image has evolved into so much meaning, hasn't it? And such a turning point for so many people. You know, hundreds right. of thousands of people in the Bay Area. But that image signifies so much. 
And at the time, right. it's just who's a photographer lying down to try and take a photo, you know? It's, right. And, and you kind of. And, and for and for myself, it's 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 you know when you when you're following somebody, you know, and Sagaris is still with the team too as well. Mm. But you know, it's a different era, different time, right? But when you're following somebody like that and all those five Super Bowls and those defining pictures that he had with Bill Walsh, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Steve Young, Roger Craig, I mean, all those guys back then, Ronnie Lott, right? Uh, Keena Turner. I mean, when you look at that, it's kind of like, you know, wow, I mean, I got to follow behind that and and create my own defining moment that yeah. really hasn't happened. You know, I mean, or will it happen? I, you know, I've been to two Super Bowls with him. Uh, we lost both, right? And so you, you can stop like, mentioning them now, by the way, if you want to. You know, you can <laughs> talk about some playoff games or something. <laughs> I know. We do well in them. I know that's true, but you know, people think like, well, you've been with the team and you all the Super Bowls. Like, yeah, but I, you know, I wasn't there during the first one, but yeah. yeah. But you know, and 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 like, I'm still trying to get, you know, what what's going to be my defining moment with this team and stuff like that. And you never know; it just it comes, you know, just organically per se. Yeah. And, and a lot of those defining moments are with Candlestick, aren't they? And, and Levi's has had various public opinions about it. Um, and again, it's got its couple of moments, but it hasn't got the moments that 20, 30, 40 years in one place will obviously generate. And, you know, maybe you'll be part of that um, as we kind of go through that. Um, and you spoke there about, you know, that, that zone. You said you're like a racehorse. And yeah. nothing else exists. Um yeah. And I know, I know the zone a little bit. I've done a lot of music photography and you would have 15 minutes, three songs to shoot the, the artist and everything else would disappear and the lights would go down and the, the band would come on. And, and that was all that mattered. And that was 15 minutes. And I used to find that exhausting, uh, massively <laughs> exhilarating. Um, yeah. so, so, I mean, what is the zone for you then? And how, how on earth do you last for that long? Because a football game, for those who don't know, 60 minutes, it lasts a lot longer than that. And obviously you've got the whole game day, the, the pre-game, the post game how are you doing that in terms of your energy levels and and staying locked in for that long oh you know it, it's it's interesting because i i have a lot of energy and and i don't know where it comes from and and maybe because it's adrenaline or or like i say the love for the game right because it, it's like i just keep going i just keep going right and i've been doing it a long time and it's like it, it's like it never <clears throat> it never really stops that energy level right so i get here early <clears throat> i get here very early uh games at one one o'clock our time i may be here by seven seven thirty right and so getting preparation getting stuff together for my crew of photographers that come in and you know the game starts at one and then and then i may not leave here till seven eight o'clock at night that's 12 hours of non-stop going right um i don't even i don't even eat at halftime i still go up and I'm, i'll eat breakfast right? Get some energy, get some things going, and then I'll eat afterwards. But I've been doing that constantly for year after year after year. Here's, a, here's an interesting stat. When I finally got with the Niners, I started traveling with them full-time. And about, I started traveling full-time, like maybe after my second year with them, right? I haven't missed a game. I, I, think I missed one game in 23 years on the road or at home with the 49ers. Right. And That's so, <laughs> right. And I think, I think I just, I just, when you love something that you do, you don't get tired. Now, when I get home, I'm exhausted. Right. But yet during the, the time your adrenaline is taken in, you know, the, the moments of the game, regardless if it's just a regular game or if it's a playoff game or Super Bowl where the intensity goes up, then your intensity goes up. Right. 
but then, and then at the end of the day, you're like, whew, I'm exhausted. I get back up in the morning and go. There, there's been times when I've traveled international trips, right? There was one time I went to Argentina to do a big corporate event. I did a game on Sunday, right? Flew out on Monday, got there Tuesday, right? Worked Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I had another assistant photographer that went to start the event, right? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. Left on Friday, half day. Flew back, got back Saturday, got home, changed. I did a San Jose State football game that early afternoon on Saturday afternoon. Changed again, drove to San Francisco, 40 miles north. Did a 49er event that night and a 49er game Sunday, all in one week's time. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, you know, wow. yeah. you've got an energy reserve in there somewhere then. But, you, you know, yes. like, like you said, if you're loving it, which yes. you obviously are, um, yeah. then you can find that energy. You can find that zone. You can find that passion and just draw it out and just keep rolling right. with it. And even, um, even preparing for the game, you know, you know, you, you're sitting there and it's like, you, you know, it's like, what what is like a game day like where, you know, once the game gets ready to start, like you said, you got 15 minutes to shoot. To shoot. Oops, is that my speaker? Or no. Um, or you got... 15 minutes to shoot a concert, right? And the three songs. It's like, now you're, you're getting ready to start the game. You got to, you map out what you're going to do. What position you're going to be. Are we kicking off? Or are we receiving, right? Where do I want, what do I want to shoot first? Or what do I want to shoot second? And my photographers know, because I have them in different positions on the field, right? And it's almost like, it's almost like a chessboard to me, right? Where it's like, they know they're not supposed to be close to me and not supposed to be close to each other because you want to get different angles, right? So, but one thing, the one thing that that's factors in, if I move, that means you're going to move somewhere else, right? So if I'm on one side of the end zone and say you, then you're on the right side of the end zone and I want your spot for whatever reason, right? And I come over that way, your object is get here and, and take my spot on the other side, right? There's like no questions like, what are you doing over here? Or, I'm going to stay right here. You know, it's kind of like, it's like, you know, when you're, you're the, it, I don't want to say captain of it, but it's like, you're, you're the, the masterpiece that's moving around. And so most of my photographers may only shoot with two cameras, right? I shoot with five cameras and during the game. And people say, how do you shoot with five cameras? I got a 600 millimeter, I got a 400 millimeter, I got 300, I got a, a, a 70 to 200 hanging on one side with a 24 to 70 over here, right? And so I'm shooting a lot of different things. I may be shooting five times to your one, not images, but looking at different things before you even start your first shot because of my thought process. So it, it's like, it's like I say, then I got to understand the tendencies of the game. Just like we were talking about soccer, right? You want to understand the tendencies of what they're doing, right? Who are they getting the ball to most of the time? Who are their scorers, right? Um, you know, things like that. So the same thing, the same thing applies here where, you know, what are we going to do? Are we running the ball? Are we throwing the ball? Do you got, you know, just a full back in, or you got four wide receivers in, or do you got two tight ends set? Is it first and first and 10, you know, are you going to go? I mean, it, it's like, even when we're inside the red zone, it's a matter of if they come to my side and don't score once, right. Then they try to come to my side again and don't score nine times out of 10, they're going the other way. Of course. Right. And it's like, Oh man. So it's like things like that. So you just have to be ready and into it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the difference then between shooting in different places? I mean, we can look at it on television and all the stadiums look 
Um, I mean, they've obviously got their different quirks and things, but the main field looks pretty generic and the lights are always on and it always looks cool. Um, but in terms of like, the differences between, say, Candlestick and Levi's, and then I meant, I guess, every other stadium, um, mm. are you then having to plan for different things or is it all pretty much, no, I know what we're doing. We're in a football stadium. There's a football game going on. Or, or is there a lot of other external factors that you've got to consider? Oh, yeah. The, it, lighting is a key, right? It, it's funny. Candlestick light, it was was beautiful. I mean, it was like, you know, you get the sun coming in a d- certain direction, right? And when you, so like, say if I'm in the north south end zone, the sun is almost over my left shoulder, right? So you got that great direction of light coming into the helmet. And I mean, pristine colors with the red and the gold and the other, you know, it's like, it was great. Now you go back to the other side where now, the lighting changes, right? But we used to have this like little haze that come across and then with the fog a little bit, depending on the fog coming in. But then like uh, someone mentioned to me the other day, like the smoke from like the barbecues would be outside, right? And then you get this kind of somewhat backlit kind of image, but yet the way the sun is shining off the helmet, it was like just a beautiful light, right? I, I, if, if you looked at some of, um, and I should show that one day or send you some for your students, right? I'm gonna yeah, show yeah, you, yeah, I'll send some. And so you can show your students like, this is what he was talking about with the light at Candlestick, right? And then I'll show you images at Levi Stadium, right? So now, even though we moved, you know, from San Francisco 40 miles south, right? And you build a stadium, whatever it is, that direction of light is different based on where the stadium is positioned, right? But now at, at, at Levi's here, we have a big tower structure, right? And when the sun gets ready to set, it creates a, a shadow over the field. Right. But the lighting here, even though it's one o'clock, same time of the year, it's a lot more contrast. Right. So then you have to make different adjustments for different lighting situations. Right. So it's definitely two different lighting scenarios. So now imagine you go around the league. Right. And on the outdoor stadiums, it's like you got different lighting situations here. And what I did, what I did myself when I learned to do weddings and portraits is, you know, understand direction of light. Right. It's like, where, where is the direction of light coming from to, pos- to put you in a position on the field to get that nice lighting image of a player? Now, sometimes you, you got to shoot in bad light, but then you got to know how to make adjustments as well, right? So if you could say, well, I'm going to sit here because I like where the lights come from here. I like where it's coming on their faces like doing here, right? And I'm going to get some great shots. Now you have to sit somewhere else and the lighting is tough. I'll give you one example. So remember I told you we got a big tower side, right? That creates a shadow coming across the field. So now you have half the field that's in shade and half the field that's in bright sun, right? So my philosophy, where are you gonna shoot? So if you shoot from the shadow side, how are you gonna meter from the shadow area with a strong backlit of the sun and where it's gonna go bright and it's gonna look ugly in the back of the picture and you gotta over, not overexpose, but meter for the shaded area, right? But if you take yourself and move yourself over to the sunny side of the field, right? Now you're shooting from the sun into the shaded area, right? So then you say, well, how do you do that if I'm shooting manual or average priority because it's going to change when you go over here, right? So I shoot average priority. I shoot manual. All depends on light, right? If it's overcast day, even lighting, I'm going to shoot manual meter for what I have. So if I'm over here on the sunny side shooting into the shade side, and if I'm at shooting at 3.5, 2.8, whatever, at 200 ISO, and I'm at like, say, 3,000 of a second, right, or, or more, 
then I say, okay, well, if I pan over to the shady side, now I'm only at five hundredths of a second, right? And now I'm, my shutter speed is slowing down and it's like, well, I can shoot at 500, but then you still don't want that motion. You still don't want anything like that. So I'll up my ISO to 400 ISO, right? Now I may be shooting at like six thousandths of a second, but if I pan over to the shady side, I'm at two thousandths of a second. So what happens is if I'm shooting down the line here, I got great light here, as they move into the shaded area, at, the shutter speed is going to change to 2000 fast enough shutter speed to freeze them, right? And then I'm good on my exposure. But I got a nice clean looking image here, and I got a nice clean looking image here in the shaded area. If if that makes if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And, and your thought process, I mean, you're having to do that almost instantly, aren't you? Because as well as doing all that, you've still right. got the play clock clicking down. Everybody's sitting up. You've got the busy sidelines around you. And you're trying not to obviously get in other people's way. There's still a game going on. Um, and you're having to have that kind of that thought process there. Has that just kind of come from time and knowledge and just doing lots of it? Right. Because there was one time when we played in Indianapolis one time and they opened the dome in Indianapolis, right? Then the field was split, like from the 50 to the end zone was in, in the shade. And then from the 50 back here was in the sun. And this was my early in my career. And it's like, man, this is tough. So, so what I learned how to do is just shoot whatever was in the sunny side from where I could be on the field. And then when I went to the shady side, shoot whatever's in the shady side. I couldn't shoot where it was mixed to a certain degree, right? And so I tell my assistants, right? Remember I told you if I move to one side of the field and then you have to move over to the other side. So say if I move you to the shady side, right? Well, your job now is just to cover that zone in the shade area. Right. And try not to shoot it where you could where it's backlit, where the sunny side is. Right. So if it comes to the corner of the end zone, your job is to get that corner, because now if I'm over here, I can't get that corner. So my job is to shoot more of the field. Right. And your job is to shoot this much of the field. Right. And if you stay to where you're at now, if you try to shoot in the middle, the, the image is going to be because you're right at that edge of the sun in the shade. Right because I have that middle part of the field from where I'm at. So it's a whole strategy of the way I think, right? And what, what I try to get and what I try to do. Yeah. And, and do you have like um, kind of a set tactics for the game, like for you and your photography team? Is, is there a set routine that you're doing or is a lot of it done on the fly depending on the ebb and flow of the game? Well, it's kind of set, but then it's ebb and flow, ebb and flow too as well. I mean, yeah. it, it's like they kind of know, we've been, we've been together for a long time, right? So they kind of know what's what, and I still kind of direct them a little bit as well, right? Yeah. Uh, some of my my photographers have been with me for a long time, uh, 14, 15 years, and they they at Candlestick, you know, they stood by my side for almost two years, learning what I do and following me, holding gear, you know, listening to what I'm saying, understanding my method on how I shoot. And then I sent them off to go shoot after a while, right? And I got another sister to help me carry the gear. But what I used to do, and photographers used to look at me and it's like, what is he doing? Right. Because the thing was, if they were over on one side and another person over here, their job was to always look at me at some point. And then I would direct them to go somewhere else. Right. I would do I would point and I would point to another spot and then they would move right here. Right. And that's how they learned how to move. So when they shoot with me, we all we're always in sync with what we do. Yeah. 
Yeah. And how do you see your role then as, as a mentor to younger photographers? And I mean, for example, right now you're, you're doing this so that younger photographers and students mm. where I work can go, oh, I'm going to remember that little bit of what he said. You know, and how do you feel about the role that you are now a mentor and a role model for all these people coming into photography, especially the ones you're working with? Is that a role that you ever thought that you would do? And, and is there anything you're doing differently now because you are in that position of helping younger photographers out? Yeah, I say, yeah, I, mean, I say all the above because, because like in my younger days, somebody mentored me. Like, you know, like I say, remember I became a, a professional bowler. Someone took me by my arm and taught me how to bowl after that. And I, but, but my skills was, they saw that I was going to be pretty good and they mentored me during that time, right? And then when I started photography and then got into weddings and portraits and I joined that photography group, they started mentoring me, right? And then I started going to conventions, right? And I used to sit there and watch these speakers, wedding photographers, portrait photographers, and, and they, they would do, they would say, people say, well, they're not going to give up all of their secrets, right? I said, secrets? What do you mean secrets? So the thing is, it, it's like, you know, I want to know what film you're using, what lens you're using, what what aperture and f-stop you're using to shoot that picture. What was what was the lighting? And they would just show pictures, right? Where you know a fabulous wedding here, and you know down the the, the bricks of Italy or whatever, and it was <laughs> like, but they're not giving me any substantial information, right? So then later on, somebody said, "Terrell, why don't you start speaking?" I said, "What speaking about what?" Um, they said, "Well, why don't you talk about in this early on." about what you do with the Niners and how you got started there. And then that's where I became a speaker in the industry. And then it's like, it was like, you know, now I'm starting to give back and, and give to people what I wanted to learn was these little tidbits of knowledge to say, oh, I never thought about that. Maybe I need to go do this, or maybe I'll try this film, or, oh, he does this with a digital camera and here's how his thought process here on the field when, you know, like you may have some students that shoot, you know, soccer and they say, well, I remember Terrell told me like half the field is in shade. The other one is in the sun. I'm going to try to move over to the sunny side and shoot from here and meet her over here. And then that's where, cause they probably never thought about it. Mm -hmm. So, and then now, you know, being so here so long and doing what I'm doing and my crew that are people that I brought in, you know, I'm, I'm mentoring some students over at San Jose state, you know, some young photographers over there. It's like, I think it's my time to give back to just help people, you know, give them a little knowledge of what I've learned and techniques, because it, it's like, I don't say that I know everything. I'd say, this is how I do things. Um, here's what, you know, try it, see if you like it and go along with, you know, and then say, oh, shoot, I like what he has here. And then add to that in what you're doing. So, I mean, mentoring is a big thing to me and giving people opportunities because I've gotten opportunities. So I love to share knowledge or put something in somebody's head to say, hmm, I like what he said there. I and, and then inspire. I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know I was inspirational until somebody told me, right? I'm at a convention in Las Vegas and I did a platform and a young lady came up to me on the trade show floor and said, Oh, hey Troy, I want to introduce myself. You know, I'm sorry I missed your program. You know, it's like I'm kicking myself this and that. I've been hearing great things about it. They said, you know, they said you were so inspirational. And I'm like, wow, I'm inspirational. I mean, I, I gave a program. I you know, but I think it's my passion. And, and yeah. if you're, if you're listening to what I'm saying that I'm presenting up there on, on in the presentation, and you could tell by my, my expression on that, how I love to do and what I love to do. And they'll say, man, I was inspired by, by his, his path yeah. and what yeah. he's done. 
Yeah. And that's really kind of you to give back because it's it's not something you can really teach people or tell people to do. It either happens or it doesn't. From what I found anyway, people either naturally want to do it. Um, and it's really obvious for those people who naturally want to give back and help. Right. And and you're doing that. You know, and that's really appreciated. I'm no doubt by many, many people, you know, me included by the fact that you're doing this today. Um, yeah. you, you're obviously a professional, but have you ever let your professionalism slip at any point during a big game? So big moments um uh playoff games or big events or for example the end of the super bowl with three straight plays has your professionalism ever slipped just a little bit or have you always been i'm in the zone no i mean you know you you get caught up in the game you know yeah. you get you get you know people say turtle why do you get so upset after a game after a loss right because because we lost <laughs> it's like it's like <laughs> yeah. but then somebody will say well but you're not playing the game you're not hitting anybody it's like, what you don't understand is I'm with this organization like full-time every day. I'm in, you know, I'm tight with the coaches, with the ownership, um, the, some of the players. I mean, you know, and it's like, it, it's like, yeah, I don't have to hit anybody, but I know what they're feeling and I want to win just like the rest of them. Right. So you, you carry that with you. Right. Um, you know, there, there was, those were times when, you know, we had some bad lean years, and my emotions wasn't the best all the time. And, you know, I had to, like I say, I had to catch yourself. So yeah, it, it's happened. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to get into all the stories of what it, what happened, but it was like, it's just, you know, it, it's like, I told myself, I said, I got to always stay calm after a game or walking off the field or, you know, there, there's people that yell at you. They yell obscenities at you when you're traveling on the road, you know, and, and you have to hold your emotions in check. Right. And sometimes you lose it. Right. And sometimes you got to say, oh, I better watch that. I still want to work with this team because I got to stop doing, you know, saying certain things back or something like that. But yeah, so you you have. But I think yeah. I think as I become a veteran now, you know, um, I've learned how to deal with if they're yelling at you. There's one time the Raiders, right? You know, you, oh. you know, you see Raiders games <laughs> and they call the black hole and this and that. Right. And uh -huh. we played over there one year. Right. And the end zones are tight when you're kneeling down the end zone. Right. So there was a guy he was yelling at. He was yelling, he was going, he was going. And I told my assistant that was carrying the gear, I said, don't look back, don't look back, right? I said, because it's like, if they think you can't hear them, they know they can hear you, you can hear them. But if you think they can't hear you, eventually they'll leave you alone, right? So he kept yelling, he was going, get that camera out of here, get that, you know, and then he, you know, obscenities and so A few so different words in there, yeah, that's sure. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then he paused and then he said, but that's a nice camera though. Right. Like that. And I turned around and we started laughing. Right. And then it was like we laughed. And then he left me alone after we started laughing. And I said, man, that was a good one. This to that is like and then he never said anything to me again. I mean, oh. you know, you must yeah. have been the only person in history to wear red and make a friend in the black hole. But right. you, 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 it must be just you. But, you know, that's a small hall of fame right there. But <laughs> I, I mean, I think there's certain times when you, you meet somebody and they look at you like, you know, that guy's a pretty cool guy. I like his smile and this and that. But then there's some one time in San Diego, there was one guy that was saying some things he had his kid there and it was like what he was saying was like i said dude man i said i mean there's kids in the stands how can you call me that and say that and he says well my kid has to learn somehow and after that i'm like okay i just gotta walk away from there i mean you know so yeah. you get one extreme from the next but yeah but yeah. i try to stay i try to stay really truly professional most of the time yeah. that. Yeah. oh fantastic um i mean obviously in terms of professionalism covid has changed a, a lot of the way we all work you know but um Obviously, for yourself as a sports photographer, you've lost that feel and the fandom in the, in the stands and things. Um, yeah. Have you felt massively affected by it in terms of your 
your work kind of on the field or has it been almost business as usual as you've gone through this last season being affected by COVID and whatever's going to happen in this one? Well, no, it's been definitely different. I mean, because, you know, the numbers were like what we could have on the field or, you know, we got to, you know, when you, when you think about with photography, video, social media, and the league limits, how many people you can have on the field or in certain groups, if you're not in a certain tier group and, you know, they try to keep the numbers down, it, it became tough. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so I was still fortunate to be on the field, you know, 80% of the time, mm -hmm. you know, at the game, sometimes I did have to go in the stands and shoot, you know, cause we rotated a couple things out. Uh, but I did all the road games on the field. We, you know, but it was real strange. The first game of the year when there was no fans in the stands, yeah. it was like, you know, it was like they're trying to pump in crowd noise, but there was no energy in the stands that you thrive off of, the players feed off of, you feel it or something like that. And it, it was like, you got used to it after the season went on, but it was like tough. But then, you know, you got the, you know, make sure you're staying safe and getting tested every day. Um, um, traveling, can't leave the hotel, you know, when we're on the road. Oh, yeah, it's, it's affected my work. It's affected your work and... Yes. Good grief. You know, I'll, I'll keep everything crossed, but we are um, right. <laughs> getting back to some people shouting at you in the stands and uh, hopefully not calling your names and things. But, you know, certainly yeah, they, they did. It was, yeah. it was crazy. But, you know, it's all good. Yeah. yeah. And um, so as we go, you know, I'll squeeze in two more questions here then. Um, I noticed on your Instagram, you've been doing a digital evolution kind of system where you're looking at all your old cameras and what you're going through. And uh, there was one photo, I think you posted of a two megapixel photo back yes. in the mid nineties. Yes. And, and obviously now, you know, we're getting 50 megapixels on a phone. Um, right. I mean, what do you feel is coming next for photography? Is there still a need for uh, these professional photographers? We've got so much access. Everybody's a photographer nowadays. Uh, what, what's next for photography and some of these younger people who you're mentoring who are going to spend the next 20, 30 years working in the business? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I just don't know. I mean, technology has moved so quickly since, you know, since I bought that digital camera in 1996 for $12,000, two megapixels, state, state of the art, because it was like just to be able to see an image when you've been shooting film for so long. And how do you create a good image out of that two megapixel file, right? But that's what got me in the door with 49ers, really got me over yeah. the edge, in the door, right? And then I've always been, like I say, on the edge of technology. Anything new that came out, I was getting, right? I think I've had every iPhone that Apple came out with, you know, upgrade, okay, I'm gonna buy an upgrade, yeah. right? Um, but as you see it, it's going rapidly, right? So now you're into the mirrorless cameras, right? And, you know, with that technology, and I mean, it's just starting to evolve. Now you got, more and more photographers out there that's shooting and, and getting very creative, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and, and very good in what they do and probably even your students as well, right? And it's like, you know, if, if they have a love for photography and they wanna take it further, it's like, how do they compete in this market of hundreds of thousands of photographers trying to vie for the same thing, which is kind of hard. I mean, I don't know where it's gonna go, but it's definitely gonna be competitive, right? And it's like, but how do you, you know, distinguish yourself from the next person, right? And I still think, I still think if, if you got 10 people here and we're all doing the same thing, right? How do you stand out, right? How do you, how do you stand out amongst the, the rest of them, right? Is it your work? Yeah, and everybody's got equal amount of work, right? I, I'm a still strong believer in personality. Remember, we go back to that when I say, you know, when, you know, the guy said, 
you know, you come in and you speak to people, you're held, you're, you're pleasant, you say hello. And that's how I got, you know, I still think personality comes a lot into play in it, right? But as far as like, you know, I think, I think we will transition more into mirrorless and away from the SLR cameras, right? Yeah. Um, it, I think it's just going to grow and grow and grow. I mean, you look at like, you know, this, you know, with Canon, you got the R5 and the 45 megapixel sensor. And, and then, you know, I just think it's going to get, you know, the 50 to 60 to 80. The resolution is just going to be phenomenal where, you know, you're going to be able to, to like shoot an image and then crop in on your eye and you still have great resolution, right? Yeah. You know, one thing that scares me too is about like video. You know, you got 8K video, right? So you go from 2K, 4K, 8K, you know, then it's going to be like, then it's going to double, and then it's going to go like to 12K or 16K, right? And then, you know, people used to tell me like, man, pretty soon, and you can do it now with 8K, it pulls stills off of video, right? You know, so it's kind of like, well, how big is that still? So that kind of worries me a little bit too, as well. And like you said earlier, where, um, you know, there's a lot of ways to get images now, right? And source images. You still got to have that creative kind of zone behind the camera, haven't you? So let me just check my internet here one second, Terrell, hold on. Right. There we go. I've so, still got you. Yeah. <laughs> Bear with me. There we go. No, no, you're good. Hey, we've fun, been doing right? well here. We've been doing with 51 minutes without any kind of breakups there, but no, that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me just throw one more question at you. And I think, I might know the answer to this anyway, but I'm gonna, I'm, I'd like to ask you so that our students can really get the feel as we kind of finish up here. Um, if you were, say, if you could go back to when you were 17, 18 years old, the same age as the students I teach, and give yourself or somebody had given you a piece of advice that you really wish you'd kind of took on board, listened to, and almost became a bit of a mantra for you, what would that advice be to your 17, 18-year-old self? Oh, man. I mean, it was like, you know... It, it, ooh, that's a, that's a that's a tough one because I've always been around good people, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up without my father, so I really didn't have a father figure. My mother raised me and my sister, right? I never never got in trouble or anything mm -hmm. like that, you know. Never, you know, did anything, you know, drugs or this and that, so on and so forth, you know. I mean, but as a kid, you know, you know, sometimes when you know I got into high school, I just like, well, you know, hey, I'm not gonna go to class here and there, right? You know, and and miss part of the semester because just I wasn't getting in trouble, wasn't doing anything, right? And you know, there was one guy, I was working in a bowling alley, there was one guy that kind of told me, he says, look, you better start going to class, you better start going to school, right? You know, um, if you want to do something in life, you know, you got to make sure you finish school, you got to do this, that, so on. I mean, just kind of took me under my arm where, like, you know, it's like, and just kind of set me kind of straight a little bit, even though I wasn't getting in trouble. And I took those and, and to heart, and, you know, I finished on time and so on and so forth. And I had to catch up and stuff like that. And then, you know, I stopped running with the people that weren't doing anything that wasn't being progressive. You know, I, I surrounded myself with people that are positive, that um, had aspirations and goals in life, you know. And so I think, you know, he kind of set me straight a little bit. And then people just started, like talking about earlier, took me by the arm to, to teach me, to help me, to train me to, you know, I came off a tour and got that job in this data center and I knew nothing and they trained me. So I think that's why I feel big on mentorship and giving back and teaching. And, and it's like speaking to young kids and, and, and following, you know, when I got on the field, I said, man, it'd be great to get with the 49ers, right? That was a dream, mm -hmm. I didn't know, right? And, and look at where I'm at, right? Mm -hmm. So I tell young kids, college kids, high school kids, think about what you wanna do. You may not know now, right? It's like a blank canvas when you, you know, you know 
put your goal up, write your goal down. People say, you know, people say, yeah, write your goal down, this and that. Now you look at it and you say, how am I going to achieve that goal? You don't know, right? Mm -hmm. But yet it's the start of your roadmap, right? I say meet as many people as you can, you know, surround yourself with good people, right? And even the people that that's in the industry in photography, you know, even where you're, where you're at on London, stuff like that. People that's, that's doing things like how I'm doing and hopefully they take you under their wing or, you know, carry some gear or, or, you know, be an editor, you know, things like that. You got to start somewhere because what happens is you got to do the little things to get to the bigger pot, right? The more the little things you do and people see your personality, how you work hard, this and that, then you start getting those opportunities. So I think, you know, it, it's, it's, I, I think I've been pretty blessed and fortunate because I, you know, just been around good people. So it, it's like, and you just take lit, tidbits of what and watch what other people are doing and how they're reacting. I mean, I remember I, you know, I like to dress a lot nice. And I remember there's one guy that used to, you know, come to bowling alley bowl and his, his name was Danny he used to dress nice all the time. Right. And, and I said, Danny, where do you get your clothes at? What do you do? He says, and then Danny took me shopping to show me, you know, where he got his clothes and this and that. And it's like, well, now I got a habit of shopping and so on and so forth. So things like that. I mean, it, it's just surround yourself by good people and, yeah. and, you know, go forward from there. Brilliant. Thank you so much for that. And I love the little things that lead to bigger things. You know, it's it's long career journeys that we're all on, no matter where we're at. You know, our career journeys are long, long roads, you know, and they're not all achieved in one fell swoop, are they? Um, in fact, I don't think any of them are. Uh, so it, it is important to keep things in perspective, isn't it? And, and right, roll right. with those little things and use them as much as you can and, and right. you know, get exactly. the most yeah. out of people who are willing to help you. Now, before, before COVID and, and the pandemic and stuff, it was like, I always thought about like, man, because, you know, we've been to London. We played a few games in London, yeah, before, yeah. right? And then my, my wife used to travel to London a lot for work, right? So I always loved coming out there with her too as well. And then it was like, I mean, it's like, man, it would be great because I shot those international soccer matches out here. I said, man, it'd be great to to shoot a soccer game in, at, in London somewhere and just, you know, with the crowd, because you guys have those stadiums that are filled and, you know, just rocking. I mean, it's like, yeah, I love that energy of like that. So it's like, maybe one of these days, once we can, Get back to uh, some type of normal. Certainly. Well, let, let me know when you come over here, and I'll. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't have any contacts or anything, but you know, I'll wave at you from the stands or something. Like that's <laughs> the most least I can do. Yeah. You know, that, that's absolutely brilliant. That um, you know, you've still got goals even after everything yeah. you've done. You're still yeah. thinking, yeah, but I really want to do this. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Exactly. Brilliant. Thanks. Well, I want to say thanks for having me. I mean, I really appreciate oh, you know. Um, thank you. Uh, looking me up and. And being a you know 49er fan and and you know following me and you know like you say some of your students know you know I guess kind of know about me or something like that and yeah, that's, yeah. that's interesting so it's kind of like but tell me before we finish though uh, yeah. tell me a little bit something about your students what 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 is it that I mean so I mean our students we are uh, 16 to 19 year olds uh, okay. we're we're in Birmingham and uh, essentially you know our students choose a variety of subjects three or four different subjects so um, I guess that would be the latter end of high school for yourself in terms of those age ranges and uh, we have so I teach business studies uh, one of my great colleagues uh, Laura teaches photography and we're yeah. always kind of discussing ideas of, of like little projects we've got and anybody we know that we think can help each other so our photography students uh, learn some of the the traditional basic I say basic it's actually more complicated than uh, <laughs> digital you know the traditional uh, we used to have the dark room and they were able to use that and then they look at the um, 
a variety of photog photographic projects. And we've got these amazing corridors just lined with this student work uh, mm -hmm. that is creative and inventive. And it, it draws on their cultures, their local experiences, and they're drawing on all of that to create their work. And it's fascinating to see because even though I'm in the building with them, their cultures and backgrounds are very, very different to mine. So what they're bringing to their work are things yeah. that even as somebody who's taken a lot of photos in his life, so I would never have seen it like that. And wow. to, to see this, I guess, I don't want to say new generation because after we've been there for 11 years, I guess there's technically been 11 new generations, but certainly this new kind of feel for photography and what they're trying to represent. These, these students who are just surrounded mm. by it, you know, they, they've got their phones, they can do anything they like. Um, right. And the creativity that comes from some of them is just astounding. It's, do, it's they do, do they do any sports photography themselves or, you know? Yeah, I think because we are close to um, a cricket ground, a very famous cricket ground, Age right. Cricket Ground. Um, right. We've got a lot of local football teams. Right. I think obviously much like yourselves, COVID put a stop to a lot of being right. able to do that as organized team sports stopped. Uh, but as we get back into it and our sports department, again, they start playing games. So we have like basketball teams, cricket teams, uh, table tennis is very popular where we are. Um, yeah. So as we get back into that, there'll be links between our photography students, our sports students. Uh, mm. We'll look at the marketing side as well with some of our students. So we'll really tie it all in and, and you know, fingers crossed, you know, get out there right. shooting. <laughs> I mean, I, should, I would love to come out there one day and just uh, meet students, do a class or something like that if we ever get back to normal. Yeah, well, to, you're, you're very welcome. Again and say, hey, I got this idea. We'll go out to, to the London area and um, uh, teach a sports class out there. Yeah. Uh, you sponsor me to go back because you know, I, I think they would like it too though so it's like yeah yeah yeah, be, yeah i mean yeah you're welcome anytime you know we, we we're always looking for fun projects and things to do and and links up with other organizations anything that our students can get that is outside the textbook and outside the classroom is just yeah. the best you know yeah. it really is the best and uh you know and it, the more the merrier and any help that you know you want to give uh, just like this it's just uh it's stunning so Right. I mean, right. thank you so much. Thank you. Um, so what I'll, what I'll do to Rel is I'll say, I'll say cheerio on here. I'll stop recording. Stay on for a few seconds if you would. And then we'll just say a proper goodbye on there. Um, but thank you for asking me questions as well. That's the first. I love it. Um, and thanks for your honesty. You know, really, really do appreciate your honesty and, and chatting with me today. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll no doubt see you again sometime by the sounds of it. Well, this, this, the smile on my face is like that all the time. Every time I pull up to the stadium and, and pull in here, it, it's kind of like, I can't believe that I, I'm able to do what I love to do. Yeah, brilliant. still pinching yourself. I love it. Absolutely fantastic. So cool. All right, well, let's say the official goodbye on the recording and then we'll say another goodbye afterwards. But Terrell, thank you so much. And thanks for talking business with me here today. All right, I appreciate it. Thank you, Terrell, for taking the time out of your ridiculously busy schedule to chat football and photography with me here on Talking Business with Danny Pardo. Absolutely amazing insights. And go Niners! And I suppose I better finish off a bit more seriously and say thank you to everybody watching and listening. I really appreciate you liking, sharing, subscribing, rating, reviewing, and doing all those good things. And if you want to say hi on social media, please feel free to do so at Pardo's Business. Just have a search for that and you'll find me. And until next time, thank you very much and a cheerio. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talking Business with me, Danny Pardo. I hope the advice and insights in this episode make a difference to you, your studies, and your career. 
You can find more by searching for Pardo's Business, that's me by the way, on Google, YouTube and Instagram. I'm also at Pardo's Business on Twitter. If you like what you heard, please do take a moment to rate, review, share and subscribe to this podcast. It's all very much appreciated. We'll catch you again soon on the next episode of Talking Business with Danny Pardo. Thanks and cheerio!